everybody. This is Atkins. And this is Adam. And we're bringing you another episode of the AMP as we march steadily towards AMP 100. This is episode 98, I Eight. hope, because that's yeah. what I titled it in uh, in the, the capture program that we use. <laughs> yeah, 98 should be right. We are only two episodes away. And, you know, speaking of episode 100, we have put things out on Kyo Cinema and on our Twitter feed, I believe. We may have even mentioned it in the Discord, but I created like a little Google Forms questionnaire that you can fill out and give us a couple of multiple choice questions that we will do in kind of a fun uh, like questionnaire we're going to do for our episode 100. You can also list the name of quirks that you've come up with, and we will talk about them on air, discuss like what we think that quirk name would do. And if you have any just kind of random comments for us or things you want us to talk about, we're going to take a look at those as well. So check out the link on Twitter. Uh, It'll be in the episode description for this week's episode of AMP and the next week's and also in Kyo Cinema's episode description. So uh, we would love to to hear you out. Uh, We've actually already had like four or five people submit uh, questions and quirks like just comments. And so like I I can't wait. Uh, I've not looked at the questions. I I have not seen any answers. So. I can't say that I'm cheating yet. Okay, good. Yeah, I, I assume Hannah's going to handle that so we yes. don't see the answers. Yeah, yeah, I'll get her to handle that. And then I was thinking we would probably take a look at the questions that are for us uh, beforehand so that way we can have a little bit of preparedness. But uh, for the most part, it's all going to be kind of just like, you know, doing it live. Yeah, yeah, that'll be good. I'm excited about that. We're excited for you guys to have a hand in the the making, the execution of this uh, landmark milestone episode for us, episode 100. It's going to be very different. Uh, I, we still are on the fence, I think, uh, or at least we haven't discussed at great length whether or not we're going to cont- like do Vigilante's coverage in episode 100 as well, because we have we want to do we want to get to all of the submitted stuff, um, and we also are thinking that we're going to actually tag on to the end of episode 100 the pilot that we recorded and have never released for our coverage of the first couple of chapters um, or was it chapter? No, it was episodes of, first episodes um, of, of One, One Piece. Piece, just as a fun little fiddly bit where you can listen yeah. to us not knowing what the hell that we're getting into <laughs> or how to do this at all. And you know, what's great about it is we didn't like clap in on the recording. We didn't even say like three, two, one, go. We were just recording at different times. So like none of it's lined up quite right. And it doesn't even seem like a podcast episode. It's just like Adkins and I talking about anime for 30 minutes or so from, from what little bit I've edited. So very raw, but it might be a fun little extra for everybody. Yeah, we're just, we want to do something different. We want to do something that's fun for us, also fun for you. Uh, we just want to go go hard, go big on episode 100, because we're not going to be able to do anything super neat until, you know, whatever other arbitrary number. Let's make 101 big. Hell, let's do it. Yeah, why not, right? Yeah, why not? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we are continuing for now um, for episodes 98 and 99 of the AMP. We're going to for sure continue uh, progressing our way through My Hero Academia Vigilantes. We are covering episodes 104 and 105 tonight. Yes, we're picking right back where we left off last week with Koichi landing on the ground right next to Six. He said he was ready to fight, although we were aware that he was supposed to have flown off and uh, grabbed All Might. However, the opening panels here, it does not seem that he thinks that that's the best idea. Like he's talking about how the best he can do is sneak attacks and maybe diversion tactics. And he, he even says like head to head fights with a nasty villain, not in his wheelhouse at all. Uh, He says that flying off to get All Might is the right choice here, but 
then he has this scene or this image of pop pop into his head, no pun intended. And uh, he's talking about like, you know, with all the speed that he's got, he doesn't have a second to lose, but, but pop she's, she's down there. And uh, we get the title cover episode one Oh four, the bad one. And we see him crashing right behind six. So I guess he's decided that, you know, screw all might. I got this. Well, I think that one of the things that I had posited is uh, at the end of our last episode was asking this question, what what do you think happened between the time that Koichi took off and when he landed? And that's what these first couple of pages are. It's him having the same discussion that I uh, that we got to at the end of that episode, which is he's going to maybe he got to this point with or without stopping and kind of um, passing the baton of go fetch All Might to some other hero where he realizes that even if it did take him the 60 seconds that was projected for him to exit this area and get in contact with All Might, that 60 seconds is 59 more than Six would conceivably need to just go ahead and, and do the dirty uh, and go ahead and take Pop out of the out of the equation. Um, and what's cool about these first couple of pages as well is it's not just Pop that he's concerned about, although it's I think it's hard to argue that Pop isn't his primary concern, um, but Pop isn't the only one in danger because of the uh, anonymous villains that Six has in his employ and company at the hospital as well. So on the second page, you see Soga, who had several of them sent after him. Uh, of course, Sue Couchy, Midnight, and a couple of uh, beat cops are threatened by these guys, and even Moyoru and Rapt are being uh, closed in upon by these guys. Um, and it's neat because even as Koichi lands, and this is, I thought this was a pretty neat little detail. Um, they did, they did ex uh, like say it or explain it when they could have just shown it. Um, but when Koichi lands and catches the attention of six, all the anonymous villains kind of go back into standby mode. Yeah. It's like it, him surprising six, the way he did took back all that processing power that six was using to navigate these Nomu or control them. Uh, so all of the attention is right on Koichi and like Sukuachi does explain it. Like you said, he kind of thinks to himself like, Oh, the bomber villains, they've stopped in their tracks. And, and even Moyoru and Raptor are there. Like they're surprised by it. Uh, and it's great because Koichi's just like, hi, Hey, Hey there. How's it going? And this totally throws six. I mean, he's just like, why'd you come back? You want, you really wanted to fight me, didn't you? And Koichi says, no, I don't, I don't know about fight, but we met the other day. Right. And, and this throws six off too. Cause he's like, what? That's your question that we met. And, and Koichi goes into this further and explains, well, you look kind of different. And I think we had brought this up that like his face looked totally burned. Like he had no features. It was very reminiscent or is very reminiscent of all for one in the current, uh, manga or the current, you know, episodes. And uh, he's like, oh, crap, I forgot my face. Hold on a second. And he like rubs his hands over his face, turns around, and he has basically Koichi's face. Yeah, this raised an interesting question for me. So it makes a lot of sense of some of the kind of inconsistencies that we've seen on his face, where there are times where he has the scar and other times where it appears that he doesn't, like, for right. instance, when he's rocking Rock Nomura's face. Um, and so this kind of clay face type malleability to uh, the face that he presents and clay face in like the Batman villain, um, that explains a lot of that. Um, I hadn't thought about that, that he could just kind of shift his entire appearance. I thought that maybe there was some makeup involved for when his scar was visible and when it wasn't kind of like in uh which one was it uh, curse of chucky when uh the one of the the like auntie sees a little bit of the prosthetic oh yeah peeling off and she pulls at it something like that um, yeah but yeah. that se that seemed like too much work for too little payoff so him being able to kind of affect his face 
explained a lot of that. But at the same time, he goes out of his way here to explain that Rock Nomura's face is modeled off of Koichi's. Like, he spent a lot of time around Pop, and Pop never really said anything like that. But on the flip side of that same coin, maybe that would explain why uh, why Pop had an attraction to Rock Nomura like she did, because she has those kind of attractions towards Koichi. And so even if it's subtly like Koichi's face, it could have subconsciously been affecting her attraction for this relative stranger, Rock Nomura, right? So I guess all that came full circle. Yeah, no, it totally did. And, you know, it's it, just to kind of enhance on that, it when we realized that he was altering his body, basically, to have those, like, bomber cells in him, I'm surprised we didn't realize that he could also alter things like his face. So that totally makes sense. I'm, I'm glad that they kind of sh- had to show us this. It's it's funny, because sometimes we complain about them showing instead of telling, and then there are times when they tell, and we totally miss it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, we, and I like, too, and we see this further confirmed a little bit later on, but just like we said with the Anons, that they're costume looking skin that kind of mimics six's own o'clock homage costume from before that sixes is like that now too because he yeah. goes to like stomp on koichi and the sole of his boot begins to bubble so it's also organic material that he has chosen its appearance which is kind of a neat detail kind of creepy it may, the, the creep factor is extra for me for some reason yeah, right. Yeah. So anyways, back into this panel, he's uh, telling Koichi that the biggest problem he has with this face is that it's modeled off of Koichi's. So it's kind of like people see double and that's why Koichi needs to disappear. And he, he's very angry about this. And then he kind of snaps back into his playfulness. There's like a little cheery note. And he's like, come to think of it, the last time I wore this face, things were going great between me and Pop. And we see that evil Pop, that, uh, what was it, B-Pop? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he's talking about how he wants the rock and pop duo uh, to have a comeback. And that's kind of a cool villain combo name, really. Right. Talking about saying something and us totally having missed it. How many chapters were there where it was Rock Nomura and Pop Step or Queen Queen Bee or b-pop or whatever you want to call her and we never picked up on rock and pop because yeah, I, it, it makes all of the sense it was right there the whole time and i read that and i was like huh <laughs> okay yeah yeah i thought that was pretty awesome and koichi seems to like this idea he's like uh well okay uh yeah go with that go with that option i'll disappear somewhere you'll never hear from me again just don't hurt pop and uh, this takes six aback, but before we get too far, I do want to mention there's a really great panel here where he has that weird conversation with himself where he divvies back and forth, like you mentioned last episode, right, right. like he's talking to that o'clock he sees almost. Uh, but this does throw six. He's like, what the hell? Like, you you, you have no say in this. I'm going to do what I want either way. And when I say disappear, I really mean die. And this is where his his like boot transforms into the bomber cells and he goes to stomp on Koichi, but Koichi slides and glides right out of the way. Yeah, and for some reason this shocks Six um, because he's like, what, using slide and glide from the kowtow position? But the kowtow position has always been to use slide and glide for evasion purposes. That was how it was always been utilized, or am I not remembering that correctly? No, I mean, I think you're right. I was surprised by this too. Like, it seemed weird to me that Six was shocked by Koichi's ability to do this because he's always, I mean, even in the early chapters, he had to have four points of contact at least on the ground to slide. So I feel like this just kind of fits, right? Like, I will say the way he uses it, though, is really quick or not quick, but cool because he like dodges, goes right behind Six and then kicks out 
he calls it a sweep and basically just does sweep six right off the ground. And he's like mid air seeing, and we see this from six's position. It's really cool. We see Koichi about ready to fire off some projectiles and six is realizing like, oh, well I'll just accelerate and counter that. He's like, oh crap, I'm mid air. Like I can't do that. I can't maneuver in this state. And we get a quick flashback of Soga explaining to Koichi like, Hey, you know, the worst case scenario, there might be one trick that could work. You know, he just seems to go on and on and on and talk and talk and talk. So while he's talking, he's probably never going to use his like speed up or his quirk. So as long as he's listening to his own blathering, you have the ability to fire off a good one right into his ugly mug and knock him out cold. And this is definitely what we think is about to happen. Like Six even thinks the same thing. This panel of him, he looks worried. This may be the first time we've really seen him like concerned. And Koichi's ready to do it, but he has this image of Pop being angry at him for when he was using the shooty go blams and this upsets her you know we knew that it upset her she even asked him to not do that particular move against and, humans yeah yeah and so he uh he i'm gonna say chickens out and doesn't take the shot like it misses it goes right to the right of six's face and even six is like what okay i'm still alive <laughs> yeah and six wastes no time he sees his opening now that he's in contact with the ground because he has fallen um, from the uh, from the air that uh, he was swept into literally by Koichi's uh, maneuver earlier. Um, now he can use Accelerate, and so he disappears on one panel, reappears behind Koichi in the next, um, so fast that Koichi is even surprised by his speed. And I think I had mentioned in one of the last chapters that Koichi says, you know, when it doesn't seem like anybody else seemed to have paid attention, but Koichi's like, man, he's he's really fast, and he's continually surprised by his speed, even though... The O'Clock visage kind of even tells Six that, like, Koichi's just as fast as you. Like, Yeah, um, he mentions that in, like, the opening of the next chapter, which I totally disagree with. I don't think Koichi's nearly as fast as Six. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about it when we get there. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so Six ends up uh, flanking Koichi and uh, raises his uh, Infinity Gauntlet and is going to punch Koichi right in the back. And he says, weak stuff there, you got to commit and just uppercuts koichi or i guess well it's it's hard to tell but it probably isn't an uppercut it looks more like just like a it's like a it's like a barrage of attacks yeah. but I, I gotta say i don't really like this panel because i i thought that something was blowing up on six and he was trying to avoid it like if you just look at this panel it doesn't look like him punching something a bunch of times it's Oh, yeah. To me, you it see looks, him like he's doing the Matrix dodge. Yeah, yeah. It looks more like he's dodging, using his quirk to like get out of the way of some big blast or something. That's what I thought was happening. And then it opens up the next chapter, I think, talking about him punching. And I was like, what? Uh, <laughs> but but I got to say, I kind of don't like the ending to this chapter in general, just because, come on, Koichi, like, I get it. Pop is the whole reason you're here and everything. But I don't think she would have cared if you had used that on six. Just... I would have preferred him to have seen Pop hesitate for a split second and then him see Knuckle Duster and then totally blow Six's head off. Because you know that's what Knuckle Duster would have wanted. <laughs> yeah, does, that like Pop is like the angel and Knuckle Duster is the little devil of his yeah. conscious. Yeah. It, it made some sense to me. Um, I, I guess that this, that it, it, that that image or that memory would be conjured up here. Um but yeah, I mean, I can, I see what you're saying too. Like, I think that there were some merits where he's at a place of such desperation that he could have gone for the knockout blow and not even a dead, a death blow, you know? Yeah. 
and, just and neutralize the threat at least temporarily. Midnight, he knows, is close enough on the scene where she could be redeployed. Um, the Nomu would, or the Anons would no longer be um, a problem, presumably. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it certainly opens up some other options, but it does seem like a weird time for that to affect him the way that it did. Absolutely. The benefits of using that ability here far outweigh the, the negatives. Like, I, I get where Pop's coming from to some extent, but like, I just felt like this was a bad time to be reminded of it, especially since we've literally seen him like at least getting pot shots off, you know, just the small ones, the quick ones that aren't as like heavy hitting, I guess. But whew, I don't know what a, what a time to all of a sudden have a moral compass. Yeah, because he's even leveled multiple shooty go blams at six recently. Like that's in, what I mean. The last yeah. couple chapters. Yeah. Like within the last five minutes, he's shot at six. So it happening here just felt a little forced, maybe. Yeah, and it gets it goes all, even all the way back to some of the training that um, Soga and 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 the other boys had him going through, where they realized that he couldn't shoot at the human silhouette target. You know? Oh yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. Um, he was having a hard time with that. Yeah, well, we can, but we've seen him overcome that, uh, or at least we think that we had. It, it could be that what we saw as him firing the shooty go blames at six was actually him shooting them in six's vicinity like, like around, around him, him making him think that that he was aiming at six but intentionally not maybe that's the explanation there maybe and, and here he was definitely going to hit with a headshot and and had that repression kick back in for whatever reason maybe that's maybe that's the explanation i'm not sure yeah well regardless we transition into episode 105 which is titled pest which you will come to find is a very great title i think for this chapter uh, and it's pretty cool because it's just got the, the front cover, at least, is just six, like holding a hand over his face, kind of covering his mouth. But he looks so menacing in this picture. Agreed. And we kind of see this cool thing where some of the comments I think I had made several chapters ago get brought up. I, you know, I had mentioned, like, what about people right outside of the EMP? Like, surely they just went and knocked on their neighbor's door, you know? And we, we see some of that here where there are, like, reporters talking about the Narahada neighborhood having this huge, large-scale blackout and people reporting on it and, and, you know, basically saying that, like, they're opening up I guess, requests for other heroes to come in uh, and hopefully help put like people to rest, you know, just help them understand that everything's going to be okay or help resolve the issues. And we, we see a couple of heroes here that look totally goofy. Like one dude is just what appears to be like a traffic cone and he has lights and it says LED in the middle. <laughs> yeah. He just looks like one of those cheap ass Walmart LED flashlights that you can yeah. buy if, like in a 30 pack for $3. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it looks, it looks awful. That would be a quirk that like, it's, it's not a great one, but that's, that's what he has. How do you, I'm not even going to ask that question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, just, there it, there it are questions me, to be asked, but the, we, we probably wouldn't enjoy the process of answering them. Right. And then there's like Popeye here who just has flags for hands. Yeah. Yeah. It's like half, you get like half of the, uh, um, the, oh shoot, who are the guys that do the YMCA? What's the name of that group again? The village uh, people. The village people. There you yeah, go. Cause you yeah. have like the sailor there, oh, you're the construction right. man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dude. I, yeah. Oh my gosh. They just need an Indian and a cowboy. Right. Right, right. And then you have uh, a dude who used to be a part of the Centurions over on the right, and then like a knockoff Robin kind of yeah, dude. Like a tech Robin. Yeah. yeah. The LED guy. Funny. I mean, he he definitely, that's the, that's a, I mean, that's on, it might be one of the new like worst quirks ever to yeah. for your entire body to just become a cheap, like a cheap LED flashlight. It would be cool if you could turn into the ones that are like, 
if you shown it towards the moon, an astronaut would see it, you know? <laughs> it would be so funny, too, if... This is ridiculous. I'm going too far. But if on the back of him, it said, like, Made in Japan, you know? That would be hilarious. <laughs> that would be that great. Was a, that was a silly conceit in the Chucky movie that I don't encourage people to watch, where, like, at the end of Bride of Chucky, they definitely had a baby by, like, organic ways... Organic, question mark? Ways, um... Because, you know, that in that movie, dolls have sex. And then in the fifth one, their child, the, the, the product of, of their natural, question mark, reproduction, has like made in China tattooed somehow on his arm. Or Japan. It was Japan because yeah. he thinks that he's of like Japanese descent for some dumb reason. And I was like, okay, what is this? It doesn't make any <laughs> sense. Where does that stamp come from? Yeah, yeah. Well, I I really like the way that they handled these like news blurbs because we find out that it's like All Might sitting at lunch somewhere and he's just overhearing this. And I think even the newscasters that are in the little TV box that we see are the newscasters from the main show, if I remember correctly. Yeah, we've got like our, we've our favorite before. horny uh, newscaster. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's got one horn. <laughs> Maybe that's Erie's dad. He just, you know, left her somewhere one day. Oh, that is... That is a terrible thought to have. How dare you? How dare you tarnish the the visage and the perfection that is airy right now? I'm sorry. I had to. But uh, anyways, All Might seems to be aware of the fact that there are issues in Naruhata, but he's just kind of like, ah, well, you know, Sukwao, she's been really busy. Hopefully this doesn't uh, slow his job down any. And then he gets interrupted by a phone call and someone saying, hey, you know, Mr. Yagi, please put in a dispatch request to All Might. He asks what's going on, and apparently there is a Namahagi attack up north in Akita. So he's like, all right, well, I guess uh, I'll let All Might know at once. And he dashes off. He does. And this is the first of a couple of, like, uh, like kind of fake outs or red herrings that we get from All Might being dispatched. Because um, you would think that, like, he's like, oh, so Sukauchi will handle it or he'll call me. And then his phone buzzes and you're like, oh, is is this it? Is this the phone call that he's he's finally going to know what's going on in Yaruhata? Like, really? You know, because the news only has so much information. There's a blackout. That's about all that they reported on, I believe. Uh, nothing that he needs to be rushing off to, right? Um, but this first incident that he rushes off to that isn't Naruhata is an attack of something called a Namahage. Uh, and I looked that up, and it's kind of fascinating. Although it does make for a very interesting kind of dispatch because, <laughs> like, either the person who's calling this in, like, there's there's two ways I guess that this plays out. Either the person the the Namahage thing isn't uh, like people dressed up and performing this the very specific festival in this very specific region, which is what the, the stuff that I found is, or it's somebody who has this as a quirk, um, where they are a Namahage like Oni, I guess the, if it's the former, if, if all might is being dispatched to intercept a new, what is the equivalent of like a new year festival in a very specific place in Japan, the, uh, Akita prefecture, which they actually even mentioned by name in the pages here then he's just going to beat up on some costume like normal people trying to scare their children into being good. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the boogeyman kind of? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like that. It's more like <laughs> um, uh, like a weird mix of like Santa Claus and Elf on the Shelf, but also like like Freddy Krueger, I guess. So it's like Krampus. Uh, do what? It's like Krampus. Sure, I'm not super fi uh, um, like Krampus familiar is with that. Krampus is like a uh, German folklore of Santa's evil brother. So, you know, Santa brings you milk and cookies. Krampus brings you coal. So if you've been bad, he like comes to punish you. And they, they celebrate it for like an entire month. It's pretty cool. 
Okay, so the Namahage depicted in the uh, manga is he's got a giant like ogreish face and a couple of horns, yeah, and then it looks like it has knives for hands, which is the one kind of odd bit. Um, but then it also says naughty kids beware. And so what what this thing is is once a year during the first full moon of the new year, then the Namahage descend from the mountains to scare villagers, and they go around asking things like, "Are there any bad kids here?" Um, and they are, they're well-meaning, like they're trying to get people to be good, to like warn against things like wickedness and laziness. Um, and so the tradition is that parents and people from the community that are older would dress like this, would carry these giant kind of knives, they typically wooden, would wear these straw capes and giant, um, exaggerated masks and go around asking kids that same thing. Are there any bad kids around here? There's a couple variants of the questions that they would ask. Um, so if All Might is responding to that New Year's festival, then like a bunch of well-meaning parents, uh, many of whom probably aren't quirked, are just going to get whooped up on by the, the strongest hero on the planet. Um, <laughs> and then if it is a quirked person, it's silly to me that the person who gets this Namahage quirk ends up living in the prefecture, uh, Akita, where like, that's the lore. Like, could you imagine being a parent that on New Year's, typically dressed up like an, uh, a Nagahata, a Nagahata, Namahage, and then all of a sudden somebody in your community is one? Yeah, that <laughs> like, would be pretty nuts. Yeah, it would be like the actual manifestation of mythology, like that stuff coming true. Uh, it would be like, you know, the equivalent of, uh, wasn't it a, it was a Christmas commercial with like the M&Ms where, they're like putting out a plate or something and then Santa walks in and sees them and they're both like, oh my gosh, they are real. That would be like <laughs> yeah. the equivalent of what would happen in, with the Namahage corked person living in the Akita prefecture. <laughs> that would be, some poor little kid would be totally scarred. Yeah. Or, or like maybe there's a misunderstanding and like All Might gets there and people are just like, dude, like it's a tradition. We do this every year. Thanks for ruining it, jerk. You know, it, it's like the equivalent <laughs> of All Might showing up in America at like a Christmas parade and unmasking Santa Claus in front of all these children and proving that he's just a big old fake. You know, you're a phony. Can you That's imagine what... <laughs> the like PR disaster that All Might would have to put up with occasionally? Yeah. yeah. One of those two things is true. Either either there's a whole prefecture that's like, oh my God, they do exist. Or there, All Might is going to ruin this uh, this tradition and mythology in Akita forever, <laughs> or beat up on parents who are just trying to make sure their kids grow up well. So I'm looking at the very last pa uh, page of this chapter, and there's like a little TV where it's got All Might apprehending this Namahage. I think it was someone with the quirk. I it really do. It, it had the, to have been. The quirk thing makes the most sense, but I'm telling you that it still <laughs> is one of those things where like parents in that prefecture are like, what? Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. was true the whole time? That's pretty nuts. Yeah. Well, back to the, the main story here, we see this huge explosion happening and Koichi flying off into the air and Six is standing there like he's just recovered from his punches and his hand is totally blown off. He's smirking. He looks very excited. And he's explaining that like a high speed flurry while his fist was loaded up with bombify detonation and regeneration and... He says that that is the he's got like a limit with that combination where he can only do three punches in one breath. I guess probably because there's so much built into these punches. He says it doesn't matter because Koichi was dead after the first one. 
And so it, at this point, you could assume that maybe Koichi is dead, uh, but we kind of transition over to seeing Sukuauchi talking or thinking out loud, like, yeah, wow, more explosions out front. Like, what's going on down there? And it seems like they've got these anonymous villains pretty much taken care of because Midnight has subdued them. Uh, Soga is, I, I would assume it, he is taking care of the anonymous villains somehow. Like we know how midnight's quirk works. I don't know if Soga kicked them off the building or what, but he's, you know, is it para, not para selling para. What is he doing? He's, Re- Oh, he's repelling. repelling. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. He's repelling down the, the building here. And, uh, he's, he's trying to wonder too, like Koichi, did you make your escape? Like what's going on? And we see Koichi who is falling out of the sky and wrapped puts it very, uh, well, he says Koichi's eating pavement and that's exactly what's happening. Uh, of course, his buddy Moyu is is freaking out like, hey, come on, keep it down, man. And Six knows that they're there. He's very aware of them. And he gives this really menacing like, why are you guys so jumpy? Relax. Just wait your turn to die. And of course, they're terrified. Yeah, I like this, too, because Moyoru is concerned not only with Six hearing them, but also there are some Anons behind him um, who, again, have kind of gone into standby mode. But I don't know that they fully understand how that process works. Um, so he's just like, dude, let's just keep quiet and stay behind our bush. You know, yeah, like this yeah. is, this is our life now. <laughs> so shut the hell up. Um, and then, uh, when six says that to them, they definitely start shaking visibly, but then they, they do that thing where like in, com- if this were a comedy movie, six would be like, he's standing behind me, isn't he? Uh, because their <laughs> reaction is to like, Oh, like there's something going on behind you. And it's Koichi who is, uh, stood back up. He does seem to be. Uh, grasping his left arm. So he is uh, worse for the wear. Like this blow has definitely done something, but Six cannot understand how in the world he's still, you know, um, like knit together like a body should be because he, like he, like you had mentioned, was sure that one of these punches would have just turned him into mush, basically. Yeah, I mean, the bomb explosions as he's punching him should have done the trick. Uh, and he he decides to go after him more. Like, we get these couple cool panels here where he looks to be powering up, going in for another kill. And we see that O'Clock visage who's like, hey, don't grow careless. There's clearly some unknown factor at play here. You've got to move faster and observe what's happening. And he's going in for another punch. He seems to be going very quickly. He's got, like, that lightning kind of all around him. If you're a Flash fan, you would know it as the speed force. Uh, but he goes in for this this punch, and Koichi just naturally reacts with what appears to be kind of like a paused shooty go blam, and he jumps back. And so, like as he's doing this, Six is putting together like, oh yeah, of course this makes sense. He's using his slide and glide to disperse the blast, and he's leaping backwards at the moment of impact, which is effectively neutralizing the damage. What I love about it, though, is Koichi's looking at his hands like, what the hell am I doing? How is this working? Yeah, <laughs> he's just as, as surprised, too. And like I said, I think in our last episode that we were talking and harping on the fact that we seem to have been force fed, like really beaten over the head with all of these new things Koichi is able to do. And I said, I don't think we've come close to seeing all yet of this new um, creative uses of slide and glide um, from Koichi. And so here we have him using it basically as a shield, uh, deflecting these these bombastic punches from six and, and even much to his surprise. And we're going to get into that in a second. But before we get there, I do like that six is like, 
he uses some Shigaraki language yeah. here where he says that uh, it's like you're whipping out a cheat code in the middle of battle. Um, and he's trying to figure out how exactly he's going to get around this. And the O'Clock Visage says, we just a- attacked, you know, you attacked him really fast. And you can try to hit him so fast that he can't re- react because, I mean, the reality is if he ever does connect, um, then it is true that only one punch will will do. You know, uh, he's not going to have to land successive blows. He just needs to sneak in the one and then it's all over. Um, so he does say that there is that chance. However, Koichi becoming maybe even more aware of his own abilities is very much on his guard. And so Six has totally lost that that element of surprise that he had with that first punch that Koichi managed to uh, deflect. And it seems like Koichi's getting progressively better at deflecting these punches just within 10, 15 seconds. So he knows that like it's not going to be easy. Uh, and this is where we get the, this comment from the O'Clock Visage that you mentioned earlier. He says, The crawler's speed is on par with yours, though he boasts higher maneuverability, plus he can fly. And I'm like, I, I don't think we have any evidence to believe that the crawler's speed is anywhere near as fast as Six. I mean, Six's speed is like insanely like beyond human possibilities of fastness like a second to a normal person is like six seconds to him we've never seen anything like that with koichi have we the closest i can think of is when they were running towards uh endeavor and six was getting closer and then koichi was still able to kind of kick it into another gear and outpace six just a little bit more um so there was that but as far as like split second movement, maybe if you're thinking about it as um, a sprint instead of a marathon, maybe maybe in a sprint, six has an advantage. Uh, but if Koichi is in motion, I think, and, and there's a, you know, a, a distance that is being covered like there was with the uh, chase uh, that ended up dead ending at Endeavor. That, yeah, I think that there's a good chance that Koichi is able to keep pace or better. I mean, we saw him doing so with Ingenium recently, too. That's and he's true. supposed to be wicked fast. Yeah, I guess in my mind, the way I'm thinking about it is like if Punch got off his like six second, you know, shot or whatever it is, you know, where he does like six punches in a second or whatever. Mm-hmm. If he did that, there's no way Koichi would be able to dodge every single one of them. Right. Like his yeah, his that- instincts may allow him these quick second reactions that are keeping him alive in this moment, but he's not as fast as six. Like it's just a blank statement. I don't think he's as fast as six. Yeah, I, I think that there I think you can qualify that he is depending on certain conditions and sure. scenarios, Yeah, um, which I think is getting to the heart of what you're saying. But it also, you know, um, talking about the six punches. Koichi had to have deflected all three of those ones prior so logically, it, it, we at least have evidence that it's not just like he's blocking one at a time. That's true, I guess. Um, I hadn't considered that. Or maybe he blocked the one and it sent him backwards and Six just thought he hit him two more times. You would think that he would know that. Well, if his um, hands are blowing off, maybe not. Yeah, yeah. well, and I thought, didn't he make it sound like he did land all three? He um, sounded earlier? that way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. so anyway, it's it's... I guess I can see that the uh, the the understandable controversy to that statement, but I, I can see that there are instances where Koichi has proven to be as fast as, I mean, in the one instance where he's able to pull away from six even, um, but him probably being slower in certain conditions, I would I would get that as well. 
Yeah. Well, regardless, the O'Clock Visage is telling Six once again, like, hey, you got to get out of here, man. Like, just we need to live and fight another day, basically. And this really pisses Six off. He 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 says like this pest. What a freaking pest. And he's you can tell he's like visibly angry about this. Once again, Koichi is foiling his plans like this random guy that shouldn't really be worth his weight, at least according to Six, is keeping him from getting to be where he wants to be. And uh, it's it's pretty crazy. And we we switch back over to Koichi's perspective from everything. And he's like, wow, like I, when I defended against him, my body just moved without me thinking. And, and he says, there's times when I make people really mad doing stuff like that. And we see a, a couple of shots from different chapters of him just kind of having these split second reactions. Uh, and it's funny because he's like, well, that's fine with me right now, because every moment that I've got this guy mad at me, his attention's on me. So as long as I can keep running, I can buy more time for everyone. And he goes further to say that I'm, I'm not the handiest guy in a fight, but running away is my forte. And he's like dodging away from Six, who is just going after him. And this rings some major My Hero proper bells, this statement from Koichi that his body seems to be moving without him thinking. That goes back to like literally episode one of My Hero. Yeah, uh, This totally. concept that uh, a lot of pro heroes have that exact same experience of their bodies just doing things without them thinking about it. Um, so that that's a cool connection that we have uh, to Vigilantes as well, that he seems to have that that instinct that a lot of pros have also had an experience of and, and no, no explanation for. Um, because it's not necessarily something that distinguishes pro heroes from villains, uh, but it, it, I think that it does speak to uh, two things. One is pr- uh, prowess with quirk, you know, being able to just deploy the thing without having to think about it, which is something that uh, Endeavor was working on with his little crew, you know, especially um, uh, both Bakugo and Todoroki in the My Hero proper. You need to get to a point where you're just doing this without having to think about it, right? Um, and Midoriya was there too, getting a similar kind of lesson. But I think it also speaks to the kind of base nature. So for a hero to do the heroic thing speaks to their their natural disposition, not something that they have to think about or something that they have to um, dwell upon or be extremely intentional about. It's like they are naturally disposed to do that heroic thing. And so they just do it. There's no thought required. Um, they are predisposed to do the heroic thing, even w- without having to, to have that cognition process in place right yeah like it's just second nature for them to do the right thing right yeah it's really cool Uh, well we finish this chapter off uh, with all might turning back to his lunch Uh, he's hearing about the problem that he just solved and it's funny because he gets another phone call and uh, he's like what now it's the awa odori dance in tokushima and he presumably will go off to uh, stop whatever's happening there because that is the end of this chapter. I did, however, do a little bit of research about this particular uh, dance, and it's really interesting. It's called the Awa Odori, and it does take place in uh, Tokushima City. It's a real place, and apparently they've been doing this festival, basically, for over 400 years. And it's one of Japan's largest cultural events. Like It it typically brings over a million people to this one small area, Uh, and they hold it every year between August 12th and 15th. Um, the numbers I was looking up, I believe, were from 2018, and they had 1.4 million people show up to that. 
Uh, so I thought that was really cool. Um, they don't say in this chapter what's happening, though, so I don't know if it's maybe like another Namahage or if this is a whole new problem that we're going to find out about next chapter. Yeah, you're. you're I, I was worried that you were going to over explain what this was and ruin the AMP tradition of finding out exactly what this was very first page of the next <laughs> chapter. But if it gets treated anything like the uh, the Nabahage stuff did, we're left to fill in the blanks. And like, you know, casual readers, if if you're not taking the time to, to look up some of this stuff, like I'll, I get that a lot of times it's going to be a case where you end up on the My Hero Wikia and it's, you know, something fictional that is basically just going to have, uh, it'll have its own page, but it'll be a one sentence description of, oh, this was a thing that was mentioned in this chapter and that's all you get. But it is super cool to be like, I wonder if that's real and Google and find that there are real world events, traditions, uh, uh, you know, cultural um, touchstones that are knit into this fictional piece of of literature and it and it's kind of cool to to get that crossover and have something uh to look up and to familiar familiarize yourself with to learn especially as it pertains to people like in my circumstance an american who otherwise would never have heard of namahage anything or um the awa odori anything because it's not a power a, a part of my societal or cultural milieu you know um, so it's just really cool that there are there are times where we can um, do do a little bit of research and learn something, even while we're reading something that is you know otherwise totally fictitious. Yeah. I think that that's super cool. It is really cool that there's like real life stuff baked into these stories. You know, I think that's that's awesome. We it's get like to, Easter eggs, right? Yeah, exactly. We get to experience little Easter eggs of this culture, which is really cool. Yeah, I mean, guys. The fact is, most of the people, if not everybody listening to this podcast, has a supercomputer in their pocket. It would take you 10 seconds to Google Namahage and learn something. Um, so, you know, and, and like I said, the, the worst thing that could happen is you get a relatively fruitless Google result and you go, oh, whatever this thing is was entirely fictional and just something, some word, some place, some activity, whatever that uh, Horikoshi dreamed up or, you know, whatever, whatever manga, whatever author, it doesn't matter. But occasionally you'll hit on something like this, which is there's there's something to be mined from taking the second to go, what is this? namahage thing because that's what we did and you know now the podcast is slightly better for it we we're we're a freaking educational podcast at this point occasionally every once in a while we we educate i like to think yeah so that's going to wrap us up for amp 98 uh, and it's going to lead us into the next couple of chapters that we will get to in two weeks time chapters uh what 106 and 107 Yes, that sounds correct. And if you need a little bit of, uh, you know, Adkins and Adam in your ears in between now and then, be sure to check out Kyo Cinema. It's every other Monday from Almighty Podcast. In fact, next week we are covering uh, the story of Trunks, uh, which is an awesome little, like, is it considered an OVA? I I would guess that's what it's called. Yeah, I think so. It's like a... TV special equivalent. Yeah, but it's really cool, and it kind of uh, prefaces him going back in time and where we find him in the show and in the manga. So it's a great little OVA, and there's actually some live-action renditions that have been done of it. I We linked them in our last Kyo Cinema episode. They're really cool. Go check them out. They're a little bit long, uh, but they're worth a watch for sure. And we'll be discussing all that next Monday. 
Yep, every Monday there's an offering from Adam and I, be it in this feed for the AMP, or if you look for Kyo Cinema in your podcatcher of choice, uh, you will find us there. And of course, you can always find us on Twitter. If you do give us a follow at Almighty Pod on Twitter, uh, be sure to drop by and visit all of the links in our pinned tweet, uh, one of which, perhaps the most important of which, is a link to our Discord where there is plenty of happenings and conversations and not just you know our discord channel of course is very anime centric uh but our hosts the back patio network have a ton of channels for all sorts of other topics that might be of interest to you as well oh yeah there's like video gaming and board games and pathfinder and dungeons and dragons and like other podcast talks like all kinds of cool stuff in there so come check it out yes give us a follow leave us a like uh, in a review on iTunes or recently on Spotify, all of those things help. Be sure to take full advantage of the questionnaire and your own uh, kind of engineering and uh, additions to the 100th episode of the AMP, which is going to come out, I believe, on April 11th. We will see you in a few weeks. See you guys. I am recording. I am also recording. And if I sound weird at any point, just let me know. Uh, we've not had any issues since that one night, but I would, you know, just tell me. Sure. You sound good to me right now. So well, okay. let's, let's yeah. just keep it at that. You sound good too. So, so. work hard at ke- continuing to sound good. <laughs> I will do my best. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll clap us in. Three, two, one.